Hello, my name is Nick. I'm one of your many hosts for the Pub Trotters Pubcast, a hopefully monthly pubcast where we explore the bizarre and brilliant world of beer and the excellent pubs that serve it. We are not beer writers or experts, we're just a bunch of friends who meet up every month or so to explore the wonderful and weird world of pubs and beer, both in the UK and abroad, and we call ourselves Pub Trotters. We thought it might be a laugh sharing our stories and experiences with you. From one group of non-beer experts to another, let's go pub trotting. Welcome to this special edition of Pub Trotters. In this episode, we have a catch-up with Paul and Greg from Campaign for Pubs. This was recorded just before the restrictions were completely lifted in England, and they continue to be lifted across the UK. Myself and fellow co-host, the brilliant pub trotter Kat, spoke to Greg and Paul to find out what the pubs are going to do next, what they're going to keep from uh, the lockdowns and restrictions, and what they're looking forward most to bringing back to the British pub. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to our catch-up interview with the brilliant Paul and Greg from Campaign for Pubs. Welcome, Paul. Welcome, Greg. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. Great to have you back on. And with me uh, to co-host this interview today as well is Kat. Hi, Kat. Hello. Um, Hi, yeah. So great. Great to have you all on. How, how is everyone doing? Greg, Paul, how are you? How have things been over the last few months since we've lost uh, a lot better now that we're out of those dark down winter months. That was a that was a tough old long stretch to be honest with you, uh, and it was a great relief to get to well in our case to get to May because we didn't open at the April date. Um, oh wow! And yeah, just to get the pubs reopened again, it just feels so much better. You know, I realise how hard that was now looking back at it. Of course. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I would, I would echo that. It's been wonderful to be going back to the pub, albeit not entirely under normal circumstances, um, but to, to be able to be back in the pub to see people that I haven't seen for ages. Um, and I'm doing okay again now. You probably won't quite empathise with this, I suspect, Nick, but I've just about got over the football. Um, and, uh, you know, Although uh, England didn't achieve what I thought they might for the first time in my entire lifetime, at least I can say I watched, I think, every single England match in a pub and or helping my local pubs and publicans. So at least I felt I did my duty, as indeed the England players did, even if it wasn't quite good enough to bring home the, uh, the trophy. Yes, so listeners, uh, we are recording this just days after... England's infamous loss, now infamous loss to Italy and penalties. Um, and even I, I will say, you know, even I kind of I like this England team, not to talk too much about football, but I got into it a bit as well. Um, good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you have lived here a few years now, Nick, yeah, so exactly. well, they may as well team. embrace it. They're quite, they're quite woke, I think, this team as opposed to previous teams, but that's a whole other podcast. That's yeah, all right. Right. So am I. I don't mind. That's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've gotten yeah, into the football this year as well. So I think they're all a marvellous bunch. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, on, on a serious note, great ambassadors, really good ambassadors. Yes, yeah, it's. And, you know, it, 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 we can all feel positive about that and a, you know, a positive future, not just for yeah. the team, but actually, I think they've, they've done something a bit more than that in terms of the, the messages they've communicated from Gareth Southgate through the players so on a slightly a slightly yeah. serious note I think although there's a lot I think we're quite depressed about I think they've 
really shown an example beyond football, and I, you know, I absolutely applaud them for that. Yeah, completely I agree. agree. And Kat, how are you? Have you so have you been, have you what managed to watch? Did you watch any of the football in a pub? Uh, I didn't watch any football in a pub. I mostly watched it in my house. I'm sorry, um, purely because um, I'm not quite so organised to have booked tables and things like that during matches. But I have been in pubs since uh, things started to open up again. Yeah, do you remember the first one you went to after the initial opening in April? It was the first one. I'm not sure I remember the first one. I did go to the Pineapple in Kentish Town a couple of weeks ago, which oh, was just. Great just lovely (laughs) that was that was marvelous and was in the hen and chickens in uh kybury in islington a couple of days ago before going for dinner also very nice yeah oh great to hear you getting back out and about and uh helping pubs so uh this is a catch-up interview listeners um we're hoping to have uh, features with the campaign for pubs in the future we'll see how that goes um, so we just wanted to catch up with the team um, and how things have been since we last spoke last December. Um, as mentioned uh, just a moment ago by Greg, it was dark uh, and, and not a fun December. Um, so, yeah, Greg, Paul, how, how have things been campaigned for pubs? What have you been up to in the last few months since we last spoke? Well, I think we've... Um... The one thing we've we've really succeeded well at, I think, over the year is that we've managed to get um, a lot of kind of media penetration. We we in in twelve short months really become a real go-to source for newspapers, you know, TV. We've had so much media coverage um, that we've we've been really quite taken aback by that, and we're very pleased with the way that's gone. Um, so I'd say that's probably our big success is getting a and getting an alternative message out that isn't often enough. Um, heard uh, about pubs because it's very much controlled by the people who we uh, well have a bit of an issue with <laughs> um, but the, the the pub establishment is very very good at controlling the message that goes to government and to the media and we've given a real counterpoint to that I think Amazing. Yeah, I mean, just to add to that Nick I think I mean I think actually last time we spoke was before the second lockdown from memory or it was certainly it, it wasn't at the stage where we got to in late November, early December last year, where things really felt very bleak. And I'm talking about bleak for the whole country and in the sense of how wrong things were going in terms of this awful pandemic, but also in the sense of what was happening to pubs, the lack of support that they were getting from from governments. And it is governments because although, you know, in England, it's the UK government in Wales, um, the support comes from the Welsh government and in Scotland the, from the Scottish government. And just a lack of understanding from all governments about the impact on pubs and the importance on pubs. And it's wonderful to be sitting here. I'm sitting here in a pub in York, one of Paul's fabulous three pubs, one of his wonderful three houses that, that he had the, the courage and vision to save by buying from um, an uncaring pub company who frankly would otherwise have closed it. But the last time I was able to be in a pub in York was end of October last year, which is extraordinary because I love coming over to York. It's just an incredible city, one of my favourite cities, and indeed one of the most wonderful pub cities in, in the country, in the world. Um, and it's the first time I've been back. So it's been a really 
really dark time for so many people, but for publicans and for pubs, and often to be ignored, often to be misrepresented in the media. Um, depressing, actually, how often the BBC ran some story about people perhaps um, drinking in the streets, and then instead of having a picture that would reflect that, they'd have a picture of a pub, which is mm-hmm. absolutely disgraceful. We, we, you know, we complained on social media several times about that kind of thing. So it, it feels much better to be finally coming out of this. And even in April, when we finally got to see after, after those really dark months, literally and metaphorically of January, February, March, to then be able to be in the pub, even outside, which frankly was not, you know, not a fair thing to, to impose on pubs, but even to be sitting outside. I remember sitting outside pubs in Otley, where I live, but in other places that I was visiting. And I was in three layers, a thick coat and, and gloves, because although it was quite nice and sunny the first two weeks, it was then horrible. And then in May, I was sitting under pub umbrellas with torrential rain all around. So then to go through yeah. the phase of pubs opening again, and then to have the relaxation, although not the full one, it really, all of those things are a, a relief. And no one is pretending that this pandemic hasn't been an awful thing or that it still needs to be taken very seriously because it does. But pubs showed last year that they could operate safely and sensibly and of all people, licensees of our excellent traditional pubs know how to run their establishment. And I think it's, it's, it's just a huge relief for them and also for all of us that we can get out and see people again. Us as a campaign, I now want us to be able to focus on campaigning on the other issues that we really want to be campaigning on because what we've been doing for the last 12 months is supporting our members with the many, many issues they've had and campaigning for better support. But everything has been related to COVID and I'll be very relieved that we can actually get out and campaign on other things. Go on, Nick. <laughs> uh, we will edit some of this out. Sorry. Um, um, it's, it's really interesting, as you say. What? Because you mentioned earlier about the, it's been interesting with the whole process, aside from just pubs, the differences between um, England, Scotland, Wales, and to be quite frank, I've not heard much about Northern Ireland's differences, if any. Um, but what have, have you noticed? Some of the biggest or strangest differences between how the government of um, the different governments have, have tried to help pubs or to you know reintroduce them back. Yeah, I mean, we're very keen to represent and you know support pubs and publicans as well as pub campaigners and campaigners in all parts of the, the UK. That's very much our remit. Um, and we're lucky actually in the last, I think, six months, we've managed to get an excellent spokesperson for Wales. Gwyndaf Jones and an excellent spokesperson for Scotland, um, Morag Douglas. And that allows us then to more directly comment on the different issues. I think one of the things that I certainly know publicans in Scotland and in Wales get frustrated about is so much of the media talks as if the UK government in these situations um, are making decisions on behalf of the UK and they're not. That's devolution. You know, devolution actually has which is something that I support, I happen to support, and um, has been really uh, at play here, for, for good or bad. And I think there, there have been some positives and some negatives, actually, of, of the different things that governments have done. 
Um, but it has been really important. We've tried to do that. We've tried to reflect that instead of saying UK pubs or just pubs, we've said pubs in England, you know, and then talked about the situation in Scotland. Um, but actually at the moment, as we're speaking now, um, you know, there's been a huge frustration with a lot of what the UK government has done, but, but at the moment we know that lots of Scottish publicans are feeling very frustrated about the attitude of the Scottish government towards pubs and a real sense that there continues to be a prejudice towards um, pubs because they serve alcohol and a sense that pubs don't particularly matter and they should be at the back of the queue and of course they're not opening um, they're not getting rid of restrictions till the 9th of August uh, rather than the 19th of July and table service continues to be imposed in Scotland so it is slightly different messaging and at times I think different governments have done things better than others and I think as a campaigning group what we've done is we've praised governments when they've done positive things for pubs and we've also then used those positive things to tell the other governments that they should be doing more and that's something that we've done um, throughout this and, and will continue to do for as long as we need to. What to you is the best way to control, like you say, um, people in pubs have shown that they can do this in a trustworthy and a safe way. But as the night goes on and alcohol starts to flow and people start to get a bit, you know, leery, how would you as pub owners think it's the best way to make sure that things don't get a bit too, too close for comfort? Well, I have to say, um, I can only really speak from my own sort of direct experience of the pubs that we run, but our customers have been really fantastic they've really understood the, the challenges that we've had to kind of meet and they've helped us meet them and they've been hugely appreciative of the efforts that we've made to actually keep them safe and it's been a real team effort between between us as as well me as a pub, pub runner here and our customers and the staff have been have been just just wonderful i have to say now there's clearly going to be a a, a range of experiences depending on you know how seriously people are taking this thing um, but the reports that we've had back is that most pubs have been rewarded by their customers for taking it seriously. And in fact, I think we, I think we will get a long term reward from that because we're very much a trusted, a trusted business. You know, I think yeah. as, because of the way we've done this um, and that will stand us in good stead for a very long time, I think, in terms of goodwill in, within the community itself. Um, it was obviously really important for us to keep our staff um, you know, really to prioritise their safety. But, it, but we also do need to prioritise our community as well, because that's who we're here for. Yeah. And I think we've managed to walk that line really well, as have most pubs from, from what we've heard. Have you managed to retain much of the same staff? Yes, we have, yeah. Ours is very gratifying. We've, we've lost very, very few staff, actually. And uh, as soon as they could come back, they were keen to come back, actually, and start doing the job again and seeing people. And because working in a pub should be an enjoyable experience. And we try to make sure, certainly for our staff, that it is. Um, and again, that's something obviously that varies an awful lot across the industry. But I think you'll find that small independent pubs that are run by somebody with a, a real sense of responsible stewardship from within their own community, their staff tend to be pretty happy. You know, it's very different to being, you know, employed by some remote conglomerate, you know, on a minimum wage, you know, with a very disinterested, you know, um, manager possibly who might be installed totally yeah. different thing we, we are a community business and, and that's vital to us and ju um, just one thing to, to add Kat and I think th this is a phrase that we use a lot because it's really quite fundamental to everything that we believe in and that is pub culture because actually pub culture and where you see genuine pub culture in a genuine pub 
um, you are seeing an environment which involves a, a licensee, someone who has the legal responsibility as well as the um, the responsibility practically to, to look after customers and staff. But also you see a certain kind of socialization and a certain kind of attitude and behavior from people from all different backgrounds. And, you know, we're not talking about people all dancing on tables and drinking. We're talking about people socializing, often older people, often single people, families, friends, neighbors, strangers, but people socializing in a certain way. And, you know, it, it, it's so important to get that message across and that role that pubs play and the, 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 the whole pub culture, because that's, you know, I went to so many pubs um, last year. I was visiting, you know, as many pubs as I could. And the, the vast majority, the vast majority of pubs I, I visited last, last year from July the 4th onwards were well run. They had signage in place. They'd gone to huge efforts. Many had put things like screens up. Um, many ha um, had put one-way systems in. But the responsibility had been taken by them. They'd accepted the reality of the situation and they'd opened again enthusiastically. Although, you know, they'd spent, you know, in some cases, thousands, tens of thousands of pounds. They took that responsibility incredibly seriously. And that's important. So the quid pro quo is now, as we get out of it, that the government must and should allow them to now open, because actually um, there isn't a problem as long as people continue to take personal responsibility and behave sensibly. So, you know, I, I think it's really important for people to understand what pubs are rather than just what, you know, uh, yeah. other venues could be. Not just a den of iniquity or something similar. No. Well, certainly not Paul's pubs anyway. No, and it's, it's all too easy for them to be portrayed that way. There was a lot of language used during the pandemic about, you know, the idea that, oh, you know, packs, pubs pack full of people. Pubs haven't been, it hasn't been possible to pack a pub full of people since March last year because we've had social distancing measures which have been strictly, you know, enforced actually where, where, where necessary and quite rightly so. So the idea of packed pubs full of, you know, revellers, it, it's simply not the reality of what's been going on at all. How do you foresee? Um, so obviously next week, this time, this time next week, um, restrictions are to be um, How do you foresee pubs reopening? Do you think everyone's just going bam back to normal, you know, pack bars, um, or, or do you think there'll be a more uh, sensitive or careful approach? Or and what are you doing, um, Paul? Uh, in, in your pub, are you just opening straight back up as normal? Well, it's, it's been very interesting actually watching it this week. Now that we know what's going to be happening next week, um, there's, there are people posting up the ideas of what they're going to be doing, and they are remarkably aligned from what I've seen so far. No one's, no, no one that I know is talking about going absolutely back to normal. You know, they're expecting the public to be relatively cautious still. We know that there's going to be a range of people that want to use pubs in different ways. So one of the big messages is that, that we want all the customers to come in to respect the choices of the customers around them. Um, we've got to think about our staff. A lot of staff in the hospitality industry and pub industry are young and they haven't even been double jabbed yet. So the government's opening up before they achieve the, the safety of the staff in the pubs. So that's down to us. So one of the common threads that I've seen is that people are not going to, they're going to discourage people from standing at the bar, for example, because yeah. if you're the bar staff, you're captive behind that bar. 
and if you've got yeah. five faces or whatever talking talking at you you know you you've got their breath coming at you that's that's going to be a, a real worry for a lot of young staff so you know i think stand away from the bar is something that i've commonly heard um as a goal um and uh yeah and just um consider wearing a mask when moving around is another one you know we'll certainly have signs up saying please consider using a mask you know and if you don't then please be respectful of people around you who do um because we're to be honest and i know it's a it's a bit of an issue with with the country at the moment i think this is going to be a very divisive um yeah. issue that will come up uh, and we do not want confrontations between people uh, who have a different opinion we just want kind of everyone to respect each other which is what tends to happen in our pubs anyway thank thankfully um but as you say when alcohol's involved you can see how things could could easily um you know not not go the way you want sometimes possibly and, and that's that's really why i think it's a little bit of an abdication by the government they could have kept a few fundamental um rules possibly that more than just guidance possibly some rules just to help people manage what's coming yeah is it survivable financially this seated plan at the moment so no standing at the bar everyone has to be sat down at a table we've 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 actually been okay with it we we, we could do this for a bit longer if we had to um, but a lot of pubs have really struggled with it. It does very much depend on the nature of the operation. Um, it works okay in our pubs. Um, we've got the right, we've got, we've got customers who kind of want to make that work as well. So we're very fortunate um, and it has worked okay for us. But the, 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 the problem is table service. It's, it's all very well people being sat, but it's getting the staff out to them. And that's been a big problem for pubs because you have to employ so many more staff. You've got reduced turnover and your staff costs are up by, by maybe 40, 40, 50 percent. You know, yeah. that's a huge issue, economic issue. And, we, and a lot of our members have reported being exhausted to the point of almost break. Yeah. Um, particularly where they actually literally can't afford to pay more staff to assist with that. Mm. Um, it's been absolutely awful. And there is no evidence. There's no evidence to suggest that table service has any role in keeping people safer um you know it's very different from as paul said from people all crowding together and no one is suggesting that people should all be doing that and hugging though let's face it we've seen that at wembley and we've seen that in lots of squares around the country often endorsed by council so we have this kind of very confused approach now um as a society rather than in terms of, of pubs and, and publicans but as we saw last year, it's perfectly safe for people to sensibly be at the bar um, to buy their drink and then to, to sit down. So table service hasn't helped and many, many staff actually feel it's made them less safe. If they are behind a, a bar, they are, um, you know, practically distant from a customer, further away from a customer because of the space of the, the bar. Whereas if they have to go to a table of unmasked people, six people currently, or um, or two families, then you know potentially they're putting themselves more at risk. So you know that is the thing that many pubs and publicans want to get rid of. Now, I've spoken to lots of publicans. I'm sure Paul has, who've heard that people say, "Oh, I like table service. I'd like to keep it." Well, if, frankly, most decent pubs, if someone comes in and really would like to be served at the table, I don't think that's a huge problem. For, for many establishments, but it's the restrictions on numbers and the mandatory table service, which has been really damaging and often damaging for smaller pubs and very small pubs, some of which actually have not been profitable as a result for so long. And they simply need to be able to fill the number of tables that they have.
can still behave sensibly. People can still sit around. They don't have to um, interact. They don't have to be all hugging and kissing and jumping around. You know, they, they can sit and enjoy each other's company in a sensible way, as people generally do in the vast majority of pubs. And that's what we need to, to get back to. And that's what I know licensees like Paul and many of the licensees will will encourage. And, and you know, lots of decent customers will, will carry on doing that whilst then being very relieved they don't have to follow the, the mandatory restrictions anymore. Um, so it's a bit like what you were saying earlier, Paul, in regards to publicans knowing their pubs well enough and knowing what systems can work for them and their customers. Uh, so, you know, it's a tailored approach, I guess, isn't it? Um, yeah. You say some pubs might keep a section of table service or... Uh, like your guidelines having um, about having masks, uh, you know, if you if you could, but you don't have to, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 quite difficult to know how we can combine table service with bar service effectively. I think mm. when the buyer, we can use our discretion and we can we can offer table service when it's manageable. But there'll come a point if a pub gets yeah. full that you simply can't do both. So we've had that debate and we've had lots of customers saying, "Oh, we've been keeping it because we really like it," and we'll just say, "Well." We'll do what we can, you know, when we can. But sometimes we simply won't be able to do it. It is funny. I think it's um, so I'll occasionally maybe after work or something, pop to the pub to do some bits of my extra bits of my laptop. And if I'm there on my own, it's been great because I've not had to worry about my laptop at the table. Yeah, I do. But I do miss. Um, but I do miss propping up the bar. Uh, and chatting to the random stranger next to me while I'm trying to wait. Yeah, well, people like going to the bar and having a look at what's on there as well. They like to look at the pump clips, sometimes really closely. We've had that situation where people have kind of, they've literally come in and, and leant right across the bar to look at the pump clips. And you're sort of saying, okay, you know, just, just back off a little bit kind of thing, um, because we've had to. And yeah, to get back to that, people do like the bar. They do like the bar. <laughs> yeah, being more in control at the bar is nice. Although I have to say, being able to read a full drinks menu and make a decision based with everything there uh, it is quite nice including yeah. the prices yeah yeah the swings and roundabouts and actually we've um yeah um one of, one of the upsides in a way to table service is that you can go up to a table when they've got like two inches of beer left and if you say do you want another one no one ever says no so you, you kind of they pro people probably get through more beer you know yeah in that sense uh, and you get, you, you know, I know some pubs have used it as an opportunity to upsell as well. So they'll sort of suggest that you might want a snack and then suddenly you realise, oh, yeah, I do want a snack, actually. So there's, there's, there are upsides to it, but it is a lot more labour intensive. And, and yeah. if your business model isn't normally set up for that, you've either got to put your prices up or take a hit on your profit. And it's, you know, that's been a problem for pubs. And it's also stopped pubs feeling like pubs. That's the, that's the reality. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that you couldn't even walk in, or you still can't even walk in and say, uh, oh, I'll have a pint of so-and-so and then sit down. Why? I mean, that's just absurd. You know, I, I, lots of times I actually, I'll, I'll admit, maybe this has been breaking the rules. I've walked in and said, oh, when I'm sitting at my table in a minute or so, I suspect I'll be ordering a so-and-so, having seen it on the bar. <laughs> yeah. So they know full well. So they can start pouring it, then come to my table if they want to then pretend and say, oh, what, what, what would you like, sir? But, you know, they just bring it to the table. So there, that's an example of where actually the rule makes no sense whatsoever. Um, mm. Perfectly reasonable to be able to say, I'd like a pint of so-and-so, please. But I also, I don't like the, I don't, I don't like table service. I feel I'm imposing on staff. And often you are imposing on staff. There have been some great experiences with people being incredibly 
um, quick and positive and helpful. Lots of great apps that have worked well and suddenly there's a beer at your table, but then you, you lose the interaction. But there's also been some poor experiences where, you know, things I like to do is I like to pop in for an impromptu pint. I mean, I'm, I'm here in York tonight to see Paul and to visit a couple of his great pubs. But often I'll find myself, I was at Doncaster Station um, and my train was delayed. I had 45 minutes unexpectedly. What did I do? I popped out to one of the local pubs. But you take a risk popping in. I mean, 45 minutes is fine. But if you want a quick pint, instead of walking in saying, oh, I'd like a quick pint. And then you're gambling because you don't know how long it will take for someone to come to your table and bring it over and pay. So we need to get back to that sense that you can just pop in without booking a table, whether there's football or anything else, you can just pop in for a pint in your local pub or in a pub anywhere in the country, because that remains one of the joys. And that'll be one of the joys that we can start to experience again of being anywhere in the country and, and thinking, I want to pop in to a local like meet some people, speak to the staff. And have a nice drink and just experience that that pub culture thanks greg okay so we're gonna to have to move on as we wrap this up um thanks again paul and greg for joining us so enough of covid let's imagine just for a second uh, um what's next for campaign for pubs what's now that COVID is going to be something of the past what are you doing next well, there's, there's quite a lot coming up, actually. And, that we, you know, we, we can now, as Greg said earlier, we can now get on to the reason that we actually we actually formed Campaign Pubs in the first place. It wasn't about COVID. It just happened to be during COVID, and it's been totally taken over by COVID. But actually, we're coming out into an couple of interesting situations already, actually. The, the government's started um, a consultation. In fact, they've got two interesting consultations going on at the moment, one of which is about to launch about the pubs code, which is a three-year, it's, it's well overdue, actually, that they, they do this. They're about to start consulting on certain measures to hopefully look at improving and strengthening the pubs code, which is something that really needs to happen to help protect um, tied tenants and, and tenants who've taken the free of option, like I have in one of my pubs, actually, um, because that code is not working properly. Uh, we have an, a, a, a very ineffective code, unfortunately, because it was tampered with when it went through, uh, and we have a pretty ineffective pubs code adjudicator, unfortunately, as well. So that's quite kind. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm diplomatic, you see. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a big issue. And the government is also interestingly cons consulting on something called the block exemption at the moment, which is um, a special kind of exemption to competition law that actually allows the beer side to exist in the first place. It would normally be illegal under UK competition law, but this was an EU block exemption, as it's called, that gave them a special dispensation for certain kinds of vertical integration that wouldn't be allowed. Now, that's up for review at the moment. The government's consulting on it. If, you know, I, I suspect they're going to be keeping it, but really they should be looking at this and actually looking at the, the, the results for the pub world, which is that it's basically riddled with anti-competitive behaviour. Um, and we would love this to lead to a competition review, you know, of the whole sector, to be honest with you. Um, it, we have to be realistic about what we can achieve, but this, this is a fundamental issue that we need to get through to government. So those are two really important things when it comes to government and law. I um, also want to get on with just the, the sheer you know, joyful kind of um, promotion of pubs and especially independent pubs and independent suppliers, local suppliers, regional drinks and, and all the things that we really believe pubs should be able to offer across the country. Yeah, 
and, and, and just to add to that, I mean, Nick, you know, you've read our uh, our campaign mission statement, Kata. I hope you have. If you haven't, you know, it'd be great if you could could find the time to do so. It's only a page, and that is what we want to really now focus on um, pursuing and over the course of the next few years achieving. Um, and it's hopefully now that we can really start to speak up and speak up in a way that will represent um, that independent part of the sector, pubs, publicans, pub campaigners, uh, independent suppliers, small brewers, because, you know, that voice still isn't sufficiently heard. Um, and I think, as Paul said, absolutely want to now see the legislation that we campaign for, Paul and I personally, as well as collectively as organisations in 2014-15, that has to now work and it hasn't been working. So we really need to see that review of the pubs code be taken seriously. But the other thing I'm afraid is a, a, a negative thing and a worry. And that is that there are, I'm afraid many people, including the usual suspects, some of the large pub companies, um, commercial landlords, um, supermarkets, predatory developers, and indeed, I'm afraid, some pub owners who've had enough, who are seeking to use the pandemic as an excuse to close, um, destroy, demolish their pub, their historic pub, and wipe it off the face of the, of the map and out of their community. Um, we are involved currently in several campaigns supporting local communities to, to do that. Um, and it's heartbreaking. And the idea that pubs should be allowed to close pubs that have been serving those communities for maybe a, you know, a few hundred years in some cases should be allowed to close simply because the last 16 months has made the pub um, you know, unprofitable. Clearly, many pubs have been unprofitable over the course of the last 16 months. That must be resisted. And that means we need urgent changes in terms of the planning law. We, we, you know, we've been calling for a moratorium on any change of use and conversions for 18 months from when pubs can open again so that pubs can re-establish themselves. But we also need some fundamental changes to planning law to, to get to the principle where anyone, it could be a community, it could be uh, you know, a passionate publican like Paul, it could be a local entrepreneur, it could be one of our many wonderful small breweries, that if they believe that a pub can be successful and they want to buy it and have the funds or can raise the funds, buy it then that pub should not be converted we are losing pubs up and down the country hundreds yeah. indeed over the course of a year thousands of pubs where actually there is someone who will buy it at the market value of a pub and that is a national scandal and that needs to be addressed and that needs some fairly simple changes to the planning law and if we can direct you to our protect our pubs page on the website it can be done quite simply but we need to persuade politicians to do that because otherwise i'm afraid we will see we'll see some of those campaigns successful some of those campaigns will lead to pubs being saved and new community pubs in many cases but in other cases in different councils um, and weak legislation will i'm afraid see some of those pubs lost forever and that's a great shame sounds like you have your hands busy uh, for the next uh, few years then. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a big job. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that, um, I've seen, I don't know if it's yourselves, I've seen a lot of, absolutely few bits of media of, of, about pubs uh, recently on the BBC. I saw something about the Lowther Arms uh, community yes. pub uh, the other day. Yeah. 
community pub, which I think is going to be a whole other podcast. Yeah, I mean, that, that, there is there are some wonderful stories and some amazing efforts by local communities, but I'm afraid for each one of those, there are several pubs closing where perhaps they haven't had protection in the form of an asset of community value nomination. Um, or where simply, you know, a council or in some cases the planning inspectorate has given permission for conversion. And, you know, if we had more sensible, not just better, stronger, but more sensible planning laws to allow pub, historic pubs to to be allowed to be bought and taken on. But whether whether it's a community or it's an entrepreneur or a publican doesn't really matter to the local community. And in many cases, they could by commercial operators who want to take pubs on but are prevented so that really is fundamental and is of particular importance now yeah it's, it's certainly uh, as things stand it's far too easy to cynically close a pub and destroy it mm -hmm. and it's far too difficult for um interested committed parties to actually save that pub and that it's just not it's just not fair there's, there's it's too easy one way and too hard the other way uh, yeah. and that, that needs to be rebalanced do we need to create a sort of independent pub consortium that swoops in and rescues every single one of these as it comes up? Well, do you know, that is a very interesting thing that you say that, Kat. Um, this is this is a subject for another podcast, to be honest, but we need to get you on with our friend uh, Mark Dodds, who has exactly that business that plan. He's, he's, working, he's working up at the moment. A, co a cooperative, sustainable, green, um, cooperative pub company that is for that exact purpose, to save pubs for people you know, and communities. That's what's needed, a commercial solution that's better than yeah. the commercial solutions that are out there at the moment, which aren't well, solutions. Well-funded, but well-intended. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we must talk about this. We must. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a great pull the plug. Uh, unfortunately, I feel as ever, uh, yourself, Paul and Greg. Uh, and not, not least, because we need another pint. We do. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't ask us what we were drinking, Nick. No, as, as, that's just the full podcast normally. What were you drinking then, out of curiosity? I was drinking uh, Vocation Heart and Soul. Nice session IPA. Nice. So lovely. And, and it's, it's, it's Abbeydale bread and, Daily Bread, was it yours? Daily Bread. Yeah, from Abbeydale. Yeah, a nice uh, uh, bitter. Yeah, proper from a bitter. bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Brilliant. Well, with that in mind, I am going to bring this interview to an end. It was great catching up with you, Paul and Greg. And um, I'll be chatting to you again in the future um, and seeing, you know, more collaborations we can do. Um, yeah, Kat, as ever, thank you so much for helping out tonight. Guys, all right. Nice to meet you, Kat. Yeah, it has nice been fascinating. And I'd love to see you both for a pint in Pineapple in Kentish Town. If oh, dear God, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll be keen for that. Excellent. Let's make that happen. Thank you, everyone.